Hey, this Friday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to have a very special time of worship here this, this coming Friday. Sarah Higgins, uh, she's on, uh, part of the worship ministry at Vineyard Columbus, which is kind of a big church up there in Westerville. And uh, anyway, Sarah is one of the worship leaders, and she's going to come here Friday night just for a time of open worship. It's a part of the Pass the Basket series that Karen has put together for us. And uh, Sarah is a remarkable worship leader, and you're going to want to come. She really is. And one of the fun things that some of you know is that Sarah grew up in this fellowship. And uh, I actually have a picture uh, on one of my bookshelves with uh, the reason I have the picture is because my kids are in it, in the youth group back when they were short. And uh, Sarah's in there also. And uh, so it's really remarkable, remarkable opportunity for you to come out this Friday night at 7 o'clock, free-flowing time of worship, and uh, you're just not going to want to miss uh, Sarah's ministry to us and the opportunity that you'll have to enjoy that Friday night at 7. Also wanted to mention that I'm going to be doing baptisms two weeks from today. be my special privilege to baptize some of you. It's uh, one of the great joys of my ministry is to be able to personally baptize you. And so if you uh, are a Christian and have not yet been baptized, then I encourage you to come tonight at 6 o'clock. The baptisms aren't tonight. They're two weeks away. But uh, I'll have about a 30-minute talk with you tonight and a question and answer period from you afterwards. People always want to know things like, so I was baptized as an infant. Should I be baptized as a grown-up now? And those kind of questions, I'm happy to, happy to help you sort out. Uh, so, you know, even if you just have questions about baptism, uh, come on out tonight at 6 o'clock here in the building, and I'll take a short while to get you introduced to that. Uh, by coming to the meeting doesn't necessarily mean you're signing up for baptism. But uh, if you want to be baptized in two weeks, then I'll need to see you at the meeting tonight at 6 o'clock. Looking forward to that. All right? Well, I've also uh, I've been pretty much... Uh, incommunicado for the week following the conference uh, and uh, something I felt prior to the conference was from the Lord is that I definitely needed to retreat, Karen and I, and some of the warfare that we did last week and getting ready for that. And so uh, all that's to say, if I owe you an email or something, uh, sorry about that. I'm not ignoring you. I just, uh, I'm just starting to catch up. I realized yesterday afternoon that I hadn't left the farm since Tuesday. And I uh, didn't even really realize it until I was sitting there going, I don't, think I've, I don't think I've even started my truck this week. So it's been an incredible time, incredible time uh, to just to retreat and be with the Lord after such an intense time of ministry and stuff last week. So, so, uh, so also I wanted to say welcome to you this morning, especially if you're a drug addict. Thank you for coming. I love you. And I want to say thank you to you, especially if you have sexual deviant problems. I love you. Thank you for coming. Thanks. I also wanted to welcome those of you who are liars and thieves. You cheat on your income tax. Thank you for coming. I love you. Thank you. I want to thank you for coming if you've been unfaithful in your marriage. My heart breaks with yours, of course, but I want to thank you for coming. Welcome. You can pretty much fill in the blank. 
And I want to thank you for coming to the vineyard today. I just wanted to tell you that whatever's in your blank, I love you. It doesn't disqualify you from the Father's love for sure. And it might surprise you to learn that it doesn't disqualify you from my love either. But there's a catch with my love. You have to love me back, even with the stuff that's in my blank. So welcome. What an amazing time we had last weekend. That was nuts. <laughs> At a conference with Robbie Dawkins, more love, more power. For those of you who are able to attend any part of the Friday, Saturday portions of the conference, never quite seen anything like that before. And then uh, the services, uh, worship service last Sunday morning with Robbie here were also incredible. It's, uh, you know, it's always kind of a challenge to know what to do next after something like that, where, where to go from there. And as I was praying, uh, where do we go from here? I only got one word back, and that's forward. So <laughs> we need to just keep moving on with, you know, the, the basis of what God poured out on us last weekend. We need to keep moving forward with that and not have that to be one of those precious memories. Remember when Robbie came, you know, but just to allow that to impact us, pull more scales off of our eyes and open us up for, for more and more things. When I came back from my sabbatical a couple summers ago, I gave you two words, and the words were, there's more. Did I not? There's more. I'd, I'd spent the summer with the Lord, and I came back with two simple words, there's more. Last weekend was an example of the more. We've experienced the more in a variety of ways, since then, but last weekend was definitely an example of the more that I'm talking about, about the visible demonstration of the manifest presence of God among us, and I thought that was pretty cool. Raise your hand if, you were, if, you, if something happened to you last weekend, if, something, if you were healed, if you were touched. Some, last weekend during the conference, any, something happened to you, and I don't mean you know, it was just cool, but I mean something happened to you. What happened to you, Lynn? You got empowered to take risks. Keep your hands up. What happened to you, Harry? You learned to speak in tongues. That's big. What happened to you, Terry? That's really that's really a big shift. Uh, what happened to you, Lori? <laughs> so it wasn't just the weekend, but throughout the week, yeah. I'm not passing anybody up on purpose. Brittany, what happened? Headaches taken away. Thank you, God. Somebody in this section, raise your hand if something happened. Joseph, what happened? You learned not to turn your back on anybody. That's a perfect segue into today's message. Thank you, Joseph. Couldn't be better. You know, one of the things we need to do as a result of last week, is we need to stop and thank God. And so right now, I just want you to pray a prayer of thanksgiving to God. Just thank you, God. You can pray it silently. You can pray it out loud, however you're comfortable. But just stop for a moment and thank God for his move among us over the last weekend.
we thank you, God. We thank you for answering our prayer, for coming and moving among us in such wonder and power. We thank you for your servant, Robbie Dawkins. We thank you for the dozens of people who fasted and prayed. We thank you for those who prepared themselves to be used in power ministry. We thank you for every aspect of the function of your spirit last weekend. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I saw something... uh, I saw Robbie do something last week that reminded me of Jesus. And the thing that I saw him do was just to show compassion. I mean to show true compassion in the midst of his prayer. I picked him up Friday morning a little after 8 at the airport. And uh, he said he was hungry, so I took him to Bob Evans. And I was sitting there drinking coffee and watching him eat. And my gosh, I mean... He ordered like the barnyard heart killer thing, you know, or whatever, with grits and everything. And he, he I, I talked to him as he's doing this. He's like mixing, poured the grits over the ba- egg, the sausage and the eggs and mixed it all up. And I mean, it was, I, it was like watching Shrek eat, you know. I mean, he was just, and, and I'm just drinking my coffee going, man. And uh, so, but I, I'm asking him, you know, questions. I gotta, I, I'm on a steep curve now. I gotta know more about who this guy is. I'm gonna turn loose on the people I love so much. And so I'm asking him a bunch of questions, and he's answering. And we've probably spent two hours at the Bob's there, just, uh, just listening, listening, listening. And I told him at the end of it. In fact, he apologized. He said, "I'm really sorry for talking so long." And I said, "No, these are questions that I really wanted to have answered." But I told him right then. I said, "But I only believe about half of what you're saying," because he was just telling me this ridiculous, far-out stuff. And I said, "You know, Robbie, I only believe about half of what you're saying." And he laughed. And so he went out. <laughs> he went out, and I was paying the bill. And by the time we got separated for the 90 seconds, I step out into the little foyer area of the Bob Evans, and he's praying for a woman on a walker there in the Bob Evans. And uh, I just walked up on it, and he's praying for healing for her, and he says, is it any better? And she pulls her pants up and says, well, I'm an amputee, I don't have a leg. And he goes, okay, well, let's pray again. (laughs) So that was my first indoctrination, but then I realized, you know, when I picked him up at the, at the airport, I picked him up in Karen's car because uh, I didn't think, well, he had another guy with him who was helping him, and I didn't think they'd all want to fit in the front of my truck because that'd just be weird, you know. And, and so I took Karen's car, which is a little Pontiac vibe, you know. I call it the clown car. And I guess I didn't realize how big Robbie was, you know. And so he's, he's sitting there, and his knees are like up on the dash, and he's kind of pressed in there. And so I'm driving to the Bob Evans. I said, I think after the Bobs, we're going to go over and get, I actually thought this ahead of time, but I'm going to go over and get you a rental car, because obviously this isn't going to work. And so we went over to the uh, uh, rental car place and, uh, uh, to pick up this car, and uh, we no sooner walked in, and the nice young lady behind the counter started talking to him. And saying, how long does it take to take off before you fly? And he said, oh, it depends on the airport and stuff like that. And I mean, she's just coming out of nowhere. And she started to talk about 
her life and how afraid she is of flying and of different things. And the Holy Spirit just came on him. And I just watched this. I just took a step back and watched this for about five minutes as he connected with this woman. And he said, well, would it be okay if I prayed with you right now? And uh, she said, yeah, it'd be great. And he said, well, could I hold your hand? And I mean, here's this pretty young thing and Robbie. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> and she said, yeah, absolutely. And she puts it on the counter there. He just gently takes her hand. And I saw, I saw the peace of God just come over her. I mean, like every, her whole look changed. And he said, amen. And I, I just looked at her and I said her name and I said, you felt that, didn't you? She goes, yeah. So when I went back Monday to take the car back and we recalled that and she said, yeah, I've been feeling great ever since. And I said, would it be okay if I just prayed with you again right now? I didn't take her hand. I'm not there yet. Okay, we're all on a... But just again, the peace of God just came. But I saw something in the connection between Robbie and this person. And I saw him do it dozens of times with you all. And the connection I saw was compassion. Was his ability to allow himself to feel your need and to care about it. And it was pretty powerful. And uh, I think this is the missing link. This may be the missing link in our ability to consistently see expressions of God's power ministry here at the Vineyard. I was touching on it in the deliverance ministry training that I did with a group of about 70 or so people who came to those Tuesday night things for the four Tuesday nights before. And I said, for those of you who are going to be doing the deliverance stuff, I gave them steps. And the third step in dealing with somebody is I said, you've got to allow yourself to fall in love with them. You've got to allow yourself to love them. Before you go looking for demons and kicking demons around and stuff, You've got to fall in love with the person you're praying for. How many of you remember me saying that like about 95 times? <laughs> You've got to. So there was a sense in which I already knew that. And I've preached on the subject of compassion before. But there's a way that I'm seeing this now that I want to share with you. And I want you to embrace. I want you to endeavor to embrace because I think that it's really the key. Um, uh, really the key to making the connection between God and the people we're praying for. So uh, in addition to seeing uh, this compassion link in Robbie, I actually first saw it, prepare to gasp, in Jesus. I know. So uh, in Matthew fourteen fourteen, it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He had compassion on them and then healed their sick. And there it is in black and white. And there it's been for centuries. He had compassion on them and then healed their sick. And it's almost like, you know, we've sort of flown past that. Well, of course, Jesus loves everybody, right? Well, of course, he loves everybody. But loving everybody and having compassion on someone is a somewhat, a slightly different thing, isn't it? I mean, I love you all. I really do. And I think you know that. And, and uh, yet there's a shift when it comes time to do ministry 
And there are times when I feel a sudden surge of individual compassion for you. And when that happens, I don't know why I didn't make this connection before, but when that happens, I see the power come very consistently. And so here it is in black and white that when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. He loved the crowd, but then he went about having compassion on them, compassion on them one at a time and healing them. And so this is something that Jesus has shown us um, in uh, Matthew chapter 20. Uh, There are a few other examples in the Bible that I just think are so worth noting that Jesus had compassion on somebody, and then the power flowed. Uh, in Math- Matthew chapter 20, and starting in verse 29, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them. The crowd didn't have compassion on these guys. The crowd did exactly the opposite. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. Well, but they shouted all the louder. (laughs) Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. That's a powerful question. I mean, it shouldn't be obvious. They're blind for crying out loud. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Next verse, Jesus had compassion on them. And touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. So there it is again. And it's almost like we fly by that, like, oh, well, you know, Jesus felt, felt for them and then did what he did, as though the compassion wasn't really a connected part of the process. You see this again in Mark chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. It says, a man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Next verse, filled with compassion... Jesus reached out and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy uh, left him and he was cured. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus' disciples are strolling through the town of Nain. And and there's a a big crowd, it says, even following the disciples. So Jesus has a huge crowd following him. Lots to do. And they encounter a funeral procession. And it was a widow whose only son had died. She had no longer any means of support for herself. And it says, the NIV translates it, his heart went out to her, but it's the same Greek word that's translated compassion in every other passage, that that Jesus had compassion on her, and then he walked over to to the coffin and said, it's time to wake up, son. And he sat up, and he gave her son back to her. And it's just, isn't it worth noting that in each of these cases and others, it says that Jesus had compassion, and then, bam. I mean, how many of you, like me, get frustrated sometimes? It's like, God, I believe you can do this. God, I believe you want to do this. Now do this for crying out loud. With very mixed results, right? Very inconsistent batting. Sometimes you see something and it's big. More often you see something and it's small. Sometimes you see nothing. And it's like, what's the missing link? I feel like we're just edging up to it and not quite able to get a hold of it. And I think this compassion thing may very well be the missing link 
the thing that completes the circuit. Because Jesus showed us that. He had compassion, and then he healed their sick. It's like it's the rest of the connection between God and the person. Well, we visited this word compassion two and a half years ago in a message. I had to look up to see when it was. And I showed you that the word compassion came from a Greek word, splanknizomai, which is just fun to say. And splanknizomai is the word that's translated compassion. And literally, it means to feel in one's loins, to feel inside. I mean, not just to go, hmm. But you, you're, you're, you feel it in such a way that in every case, it moves you to some kind of action. You can't just feel that and go, oh, what a pity. It's a fulfillment. It builds on an Old Testament word, chesed, which is, God, which is an Old Testament Hebrew word for loving kindness. That the loving kindness of the Old Testament, you know, where it's, it's God's loving kindness. It talks about God's loving kindness throughout the Psalms, throughout the Scripture, the Old Testament. God's loving kindness, his chesed. He loves us. He loved his people. And then from that, through Jesus and his cross, his resurrection and his ascension. Now we live in the fulfillment of Hesed, which is Splanknizumai, which is compassion. And this is part of the spiritual dynamic of walking with God. I'm discovering this. I mean, everybody in the room, because you're human, you have a certain capacity to feel for other situations. That's just part of being human. But what I'm talking about is being connected with the Father in such a way that you get his heart for them. You get his compassion for them. You get his heart. And so the completion of the circuit is made when you feel what he feels for them. And that's compassion. That's compassion. What's the relationship between pity, empathy, and compassion? Well, pity is something that feels sorry. Pity goes, oh man, that's just bad. And pity, listen, requires judgment on your part. Pity requires you to decide that you're better off than somebody. It really does. I mean, sometimes we even pity people to the point that we rejoice that we're not as bad as off as them. And we hate that about ourselves, but it's true, isn't it? We have a little celebration. And that's pity. And that requires me to go, oh, I'm sure glad I'm not like them. That's not compassion. Empathy is a word that says, I relate to your situation. I, I, I can dig that. I know, I, I, you know, on some level I've been there. I know what you're talking about. I can feel what you feel. I can understand that in a way from a very personal perspective. That's different than pity. That's not judgment. That's more like compassion, but it requires you to have some awareness of their situation, in order to have true empathy. You have to have been in some version of that situation yourself in order to have true empathy. Is this making sense? Compassion requires neither judgment or personal experience. Compassion is something we get from God, from the heart of God, and compassion always causes us to act. Pity just feels, empathy just feels, compassion acts. It always, always, always acts. It's obvious when you have it, and it causes you to act. I remember the first time I took one of our elders to India in 2005. And that poor man, that poor man, 
I just think for the first maybe three days, he just cried. He just cried. How are you doing? Oh. Because of, you know, the places we go or things we see are, are pretty drastic sometimes. And I've watched that man since then. And I've seen his response and I've seen his sacrifice in every way to provide for people in India because that's compassion. And that's something that's not pity. He doesn't sit in judgment of them. He loves them. It's not empathy because he's never been in a village without water. It's compassion. It's the heart of God that causes him to act. And that's what I'm trying to talk about this morning. Compassion always acts. And compassion, listen, beloved, this is a renewable resource. I find it interesting that in a couple of places in the Bible, when Jesus withdrew after the power encounters, and he went and he got with the Father, when he came down, the first thing he did, it says, and he had compassion and he healed their sick. So he goes back to the Lord to get the compassion. To get the compassion. Is this making sense? Let me draw you guys out a diagram for this that maybe will help a little bit. So we have this uh, idea that we've got access to the power of God, yeah, somehow. And we want to make a connection with this poor fella here who has come into our life and has said, would you pray for me? I gotta, I, I'm desperate. I've got to see God move. You can fill in the blanks. So how do we make that connection? Well, you may, you may remember quite some time ago I brought a teaching that says your faith is the switch in between the two. Your, you remember that? Some of you do, do, maybe not. Your faith is the switch. That what is the role of your faith? It's to switch on and to make the connection. And it's a small part of the process. And on that day I said, remember, you're not the power. It's not up to you to make it happen. It's just up to you to release your faith and believe that God wants to do this. And we gave a variety of illustrations. So your faith is the switch. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God, for whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Which brings us to the next part of this, which is the kingdom authority, which is the first part of the circuit. So for weeks I've been talking about kingdom authority. That you, you know, How is it that you get the power of God to come to you? to the switch. It's by, listen, taking your place, seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, by living in intense proximity to God so that you can receive this authority. Many of you fasted last week. You know, why do we see such great things happen last week? Many of you were fasting for that whole conference. Well, what does that do? Does that make God, does that put God in a debtor position? No, it connects you with the authority. It connects you with the power. It gives you the thing that God wants to give you. And so as you pray, as you worship, as you fast, as you move into solitude and experience God, you'll, release, you'll, you'll receive that release of authority from God so it brings the power to the switch, if you will. 
And so we stand in front of people and we go, be healed for crying out loud. Something's missing, right? The missing link is your compassion. Your compassion is a sense of, that, of God's heart for that person. Of having spent enough time in prayer and fasting and drawing close to the Lord so that you can get God's heart for them. And that's what makes the difference. Does that make some sense? This is, I think, the missing link. It's so clear from Scripture that Jesus had compassion on them, and then he healed their sick. Listen, in the realm of, of the supernatural, there is only one thing I have, in which I have ever participated in which I have also seen 100% effectiveness. There is one realm of supernatural ministry where the times that I have been involved in it, I have seen 100% of a demonstration of the power of God. And it hasn't been in praying for the sick. That's been a mixed thing for me. It hasn't been in evangelism. That's been a very mixed thing for me. Um, The thing that it's been 100% effective in is in praying for deliverance from demonic spirits. Listen to me. 100% of the time that I've been engaged in praying for someone for deliverance from demonic spirits, the first thing that happens is God shows me whether there are demonic spirits there to be cast out or not. And in many cases, there aren't. I don't see any, and so off they go. And we give them other direction, other ways to deal with the situation they're dealing with. But in the cases where I see them, 100% of the time, including two last Saturday, 100% of the time, these people are fully delivered from the demons that haunt them. And it's dramatic. And there's another 100% to this. 100% of the time, in dealing with anybody who was oppressed by demonic spirits, 100% of the time, I am overcome with compassion for them as soon as I look at them. I'm talking about gut wrenching compassion when I look into their eyes and I always ask them to look into my eyes God shows me stuff through their eyes when I look into their eyes in that Holy Spirit embraced moment I feel such compassion I mean in one case last week I, I just wept for this young woman I just looked at her and I just saw the desperation in her eyes. I hadn't seen any demons yet. All I saw was that this woman was desperate, desperate. And I couldn't talk. I just wept as I just held her and looked at her face. I talked to her yesterday on the phone, and she said, You know, Pastor Tom, I didn't, I didn't want to keep looking at you. <laughs> but I... It was in the looking of, in that instance where God gives me compassion for them that is overwhelming. And then what happens is I understand that in compassion, somebody's fooling with my sister, somebody's fooling with my brother, and then a whole other sense of me comes out, and I go in, and I draw my sword and start killing devils, which run at the name of Jesus. And 100% of the time, this has been effective. But the point I'm saying is not to bring any glory to myself. 
but to show you that 100% of the time there's also been that connection of compassion that completes the circuit. And for me, it's in the realm of deliverance from demonic spirits. And I'm just beginning to wonder if God has le- is leading each of us into areas where for people for whom we will have compassion. You know, when Jesus went, in John 5, when Jesus went to the, what, the pool of Bethesda with the guy, you know, who needed to get into the water, am I right on that? It says there were many other people there, and Jesus walked up to the one guy and healed him. And I'm wondering who your person is for whom God wants to give you a powerful sense of compassion. All right. That's about the best I can do on that. How do I get this compassion? I think you start by asking God to enliven your heart for somebody. I hate doing deliverance ministry. I resist it to the end, even though it's always 100% effective. The war that I have to fight to get ready to do it is indescribable. Only Karen knows it. But I do it because I have compassion for these people. Because I love them. Those are the people that I have compassion for. That God has enlivened my heart for. So you start just by saying, Lord, you know, open the eyes of my heart. Show me somebody. Show me somebody. Give me compassion for somebody. And then as you live in close proximity to him, you just keep asking him to show you what he's doing. What's he, who does he, who is he want to sh- have compassion for through you? And you're all qualified. Now, right now, there are a few of you in this room right now who can answer the question, who do you have compassion for? If you know you have compassion for a certain, let's just generalize it, certain kind of person, if you will, a certain person in a certain situation, perhaps, if you already know that you have this splank, needs of my compassion for them, raise your hand. Who is it, Mark? Yeah, you do it well. Somebody, Kathy. Little kids? Chris? You have compassion for them. Praise God. You know, you've got everything you need. You've, you've got faith. You've got kingdom authority. Now it's just asking the Father to create a situation for you to demonstrate that compassion to them and seeing the power of God come. And this can apply to healing. This can apply to deliverance. This can apply to evangelism. This can apply to so many different situations. Jim, physical pain and healing. You have compassion for anybody in physical or certain kinds? Pardon me? Come up here then. Come on. Right now. Come up here and stand right here. Okay, so Jim has, Jim has compassion, Splank needs of my compassion, for anybody who has physical pain or healing. So who would like to have the circuit completed right now? You have physical pain or healing. Just come up. The first one up here, <laughs> that's a mean thing to say to people in physical pain. Okay, so it's Lori. No, it's Lori. It's, it's going to be Lori. Okay, we'll get to you later, Ann. It's going to be Lori. She was up first. Sorry. All right. 
It's all right. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're saying right now that you have compassion for Lori. Just look in her eyes. I'm serious. Try this. <laughs> what are you feeling right now? What does it feel like? I know her, but I, but I love her. I mean, and I and I and I see her come in, and I see her walk, you know, into the building, and and she's in pain. Okay. So, what kind of pain? What would you say is the center of your pain? I mean, how would I know you have a lot of body pain? What pain would you like to try a prayer for right now? Specifically. Okay, so you have pain in your neck. Let's go right there. Okay. Okay, because you can feel that. Let's just do exactly what we were taught last week. Okay? So, Jim, repeat after me. Father, I thank you for your healing power. And I thank you for Lori. And that's where we were taught to have compassion right there last week when we thank God for the person we're praying for. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I command this pain to go. By the authority of Jesus Christ, be gone. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now work your neck. If it was a 10 before, what is it now? Got to tell the truth. Yeah, you're good at telling the truth. I've known you a long time. If it was a 10 before, is it still a 10? It's an eight. So you're saying that... Yesterday it was a 12, so... Okay. So you're saying it just went down 20% just standing here. Yes. Okay. Look at her in the eyes again. Can you? Thank you. Okay. (laughs) This is just brother to sister here, and he loves her. Are you feeling the compassion? So when you say, I thank God for Lori... Thank God for Lori. Okay. Repeat after me. Father... Thank you for your healing power. And I thank you for Lori. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak to this pain, and I say, be gone in Jesus' name. Let the, uh, the nerves relax. Let the nerves restore. Let the muscles relax. And let this pain be gone in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, Lori, move your neck around. If, if it was a 10 at the beginning, what is it now? Tell the truth. It's gone down a little bit. So you're saying the second time we prayed, it went from an 8 to a 7. You're feeling a difference. Okay, yeah, you've got to tell the truth. And I'm feeling, I mean, I'm feeling stuff. I'm kind of, I'm, I feel stuff going on. Okay, if you have compassion for Lori right now, raise your hand. Then just stand up where you are. If you have compassion for her. God's giving you compassion. Don't think you're a second-class Christian if you say, no, I ain't feeling it, you know? Because you've got compassion for somebody else. Let's just do, let's just be real straight honest with this. You're feeling compassion for Lori. Okay. So I want you all to stretch out your hands toward Lori. 
And Jim's going to put his hand on her and repeat after me. Father, I thank you for your healing power. I thank you for Lori. In the name of Jesus, pain go. Snap your fingers. In the name of Jesus, pain be gone. I take authority in the name of Jesus over this creation. And I say, be fully restored in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, work your head now. Hope it didn't go up. You know, she went from 10 to 5 in 5 minutes here. And I know Lori, listen. Listen, she and I have had a couple of, I don't even think so, woman. You know, she'll tell the truth. I've known her for 20 years. She'll tell the truth. Stretch out your hands. Father, I thank you for your healing power. There's where you're making your kingdom authority connection. Say it again. I thank you for your healing power. And I thank you for Lori. Let yourself, just let yourself feel her. I thank you for Lori. In the name of Jesus, I command this neck to be healed. By the authority of Jesus Christ, be healed. Amen. Wait a minute. Inside of my inside of your neck, like you said you don't feel the pain. You're no, that's no, the, my you can muscles f- are sore, like I'm stiff. Okay. I'm not feeling. But the pain part, that, and you were feeling it when you came up. Yes. You were. That's what you were calling yes. a ten. Yes. And now you don't feel it at all. I don't believe so. It's just I just heard a pop. You just heard a pop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you normally hear pops? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And does it feel better after you pop or no? Okay, okay, stretch out your hands. So we got all the way down to the muscles, all right? Father, I thank you for your healing power. And I thank you for Lori. In the name of Jesus, muscles relax, neck be healed, in Jesus' name, amen. If it was 10 when you came up here, whole package, muscles, middle, bone. If it was 10 when you came up, what is it now? Three and a four. Three and a four. Somebody want to give God glory? She just lost 70% of her pain. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for your love and grace. We thank you that you move when we ask, and we ask you to continue uh, in this power, Lord, and moving in this direction. And I just pray now, Father, that uh, you'll always be Lord of this church, that we'll always be humble in your sight to learn and to grow, and we pray, Father God, that you will continue to show us the things that we need to see to make this connection consistent. 
that we would be a church where God lives, where you come, where you move. In the name of Jesus, amen.